I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. For 12 years, Harold would brush each of his 32 teeth 76 times. 38 times back and forth, 38 times up and down. Every weekday for 12 years, Harold would tie his tie in a single Windsor knot instead of the double, thereby saving up to 43 seconds. His wristwatch thought the single Windsor made his neck look fat, but said nothing. Welcome to Rewatchability. It's the podcast where we rewatch old movies and see how they hold up today in the modern eye in this world that we live in. <laughs> what a world. What a world. I'm Robert Larone. With me, as always, is... Lane Waters. And we're here. We're back. It's been a while. We're kind of here. We're we're apart, but together. That's true. I, well, yeah, that's right. The way things must be at this particular moment in time. We are not in the studio. I, I don't know if people know this because it's an audio podcast, but we record in a studio in a big, tall like building on Queen Street in Toronto. It's very fancy. Now we've gone back to recording in our basements or closets or the sort of places that we used to record years ago. Yeah, so, with, with, uh, with less technology than we had back then. Because with Yeah, a lot less technology. So uh, obviously the audio quality isn't going to be as uh, crisp or clear as it usually is, but we want to thank you for listening, and we're just glad to be talking to you guys again. Yeah, I mean, we missed you. I don't know if you missed us, but uh, we've been we've been we've been jonesing. We've been jonesing for a little bit of uh, movie movie commentary. That's right, because I mean I don't know I know everybody's situation is different, but I've had nothing but time on my hands, and I have like rewatched some things. <laughs> wait, wait, what have you been rewatching, Rob? I mean, there's just like a lot of crazy things, but we'll, we'll, I mean, we can talk about a little bit of it. Yeah, we can but, talk about a little bit of. Uh, I I rewatched all the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh my god, really? Yeah, I think they were the extended cut too because they were long. They were just so yeah. long. Yeah. And did it do the trick? Did it successfully kill you know days? It killed my will to live a little bit. <laughs> oh <laughs> no. man. They were all so right. you're not, it's so too long, man. It's too long. You're not suggesting that we that we talk about Lord of the Rings for the podcast, I the mean, entire trilogy? I'd love to. If someone else out there wants us to do that, I'll, I mean, I'd do that. I'd also, 
I, I feel Let's like, not give them any ideas. I feel like making you live my pain of watching the extended versions would be <laughs> really great. <laughs> well, sometime we'll have to because it's a pretty big cultural touchstone for everybody. So one day I'm sure we'll get to it. But we're not here to talk about Lord of the Rings, the movie that we are here to talk about this week and next week. So you'll have time to watch this along with us, if you like, is Stranger Than Fiction, the 2006 movie directed by Mark Forrester. Blaine, when was the first time that you saw Stranger Than Fiction? I think I saw it in theaters because it seemed to be like, you know, one of those quirky, very unique movies at the time. Though I remember like the trailer thinking that it was like a really cool idea back in, I think it was mm -hmm. 2005, and thinking that it was going to be kind of like an Eternal Sunshine type movie. Right. You know, like this is a comic actor doing his best drama performance. And this is a cool hotshot new screenwriter because I was getting into screenwriting at the time. So like this script was like a hot sell and everyone was vying for it. And this guy, oh, wow. had, he was a playwright, but he didn't do, he hadn't done, he had done like a TV movie of the week before this. So this was like a big deal in the screenwriting. So it was just a big, uh, uh, a big thing. And I, was really into kind of everything behind it um, at the time. And so I really wanted to see it. And then when I saw it, I remember being like, that was all right. That was right. that was a movie. That was an okay movie. I felt like it was a little slow. It was a little predictable at the time. Um, I was comparing it to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So, <laughs> so I feel like... Well, how can you not? I, I feel like that might have been a little unfair. Uh -huh. But uh, I do remember liking it okay it just wasn't i never i never saw it again after i saw it the first time until now and right it, it was poised to be one of my faves from everything from my excitement going into it but uh it, i remember it not delivering but uh watching this time i have a few different thoughts on it so uh i'm excited to get into it for next week what about you rob yeah, I don't actually remember when the first time I saw it was. I think I came from a similar place as you. I mean, at the time that this was released, we were sort of all in the throes of our love for Charlie Kaufman because he'd done Being John Malkovich, he'd done Adaptation, oh, it was yeah. like a one-two punch, and... When Eternal Sunshine came out, it just sort of cemented him as like, you know, one of the best and most interesting screenwriters that there were. And they always use like the metafiction and, you know, sometimes they would break the fourth wall or Charlie Kaufman himself would sort of pop into the story. So, I mean, at that time in my life, which was like, you know, the early 20s, I was super fascinated with all of that stuff. And so I did see it. And also, I should mention that in the context of, yeah, funny people doing sad movies, this was part of like a trend that had been uh, going on. Like, I yeah. think it probably started with Bill Murray in Lost in Translation, which isn't exactly metafictional, but, you know, has nods of metafictionality because he's playing an actor, a mm. washed up actor. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're sort of getting like we're expecting that we're getting the real Bill Murray malaise through this character. So it is sort of like the same and then like that became a thing where former comedic actors or snl alumni did these sort of melancholically quirky funny movies so like 
Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love and of course Jim Carrey and it's sort of just become like a thing and this was Will Ferrell sort of entry into it and also at the time I wasn't a big Will Ferrell fan I didn't his sort of rise had come with the sort of frat boy comedies which I wasn't a big fan of I sort of remembered him from like Night at the Roxbury so I thought he was a little bit of a hack And then, you know, he sort of grew on me after seeing this movie, though, like you, I thought it was a little bit light, like it didn't have the sort of depth that a Charlie Kaufman film had. It didn't sort of like go into the interesting stuff. It didn't sort of play with the conventions or with the metafictional elements in the way that he did. And so, yeah, I was also disappointed because I wanted it to be something which it was not. Yeah, so I, mean, I I remember thinking he had such little contact with his own author, and I that was the most interesting part of the story. It wasn't the fact that someone was narrating over him; it was the fact that he got to talk to someone who was creating his life, and that, that yeah, that's so interesting. And that's like two scenes in this entire yeah. They movie. have like a a minute of screen time. It's like heat, you know. It's like <laughs> yeah. were they even on the same set? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember, yeah. I remember being, kind of being disappointed like that. Uh, but I also remember Will Ferrell starring in it. And like you, I didn't like Will Ferrell. I I think we, I, I don't know about you, but I was kind of growing out of the SNL movies at the time. Like I was wanting yeah. more serious fare and I was getting into filmmaking and stuff. So I really wanted something that would kind of challenge the status quo and challenge and, and bring like originality to it. And I was like, well, will Farrell be that person? Like <laughs> it didn't seem to me that he could do it. Uh, and I remember no. thinking at the time, like uh, back then after watching being like, well, I was right, you know, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> uh, which might you be smug son of a bitch. Exactly. Exactly. Like that might be unfair. And we'll get into that uh, next week. But Yeah. Well, it's definitely a stretch for him. And I think, you know, this was the sort of role that was uh, that actors like him were taking that were like a stretch for the comedic role. And now it's sort of like par for the course for, you know, somebody funny to do something that is darker or sadder or has like, you know, some sort of melancholy to it. But at the time, it was sort of new and interesting. And this is also like it. It is different than the Charlie Kaufman movies in that it's not mired in its despair. (laughs) <laughs> like it manages to look at the world and it doesn't, you know, want to crumble or dig itself into the earth. It sort of, you know, it sort of like, you know, chooses yes, um, right. which was why I sort of wanted to talk about this movie because it's positive and, you know, times being what they are, not to hammer that nail too hardly, but I really wanted something positive. And I actually, I watched this a few weeks ago with my ex-girlfriend because we'd just broken up and I was getting ready to move out, but there was the whole crisis. And so we still had to spend a lot of time together. And there's a movie right there. Like that is a movie in and of itself. Like having broken up with your girlfriend and then being quarantined in with her. You're like, Oh God. And and that's stranger than fiction. (laughs) Well, it's, it's interesting because we'll talk about whether the title of this movie delivers on its promise. Uh, mm-hmm. But the thing I, I rewatched Contagion. I don't know mm-hmm. if, if you did that as well, but no. um, my sister-in-law said, "You know, this is this is a cathartic movie. You got to watch this." Um, and it was right when things were 
really hitting the fan. And um, I was like, okay, this would be great. So me and my wife watched it. And uh, and I, I feel like it might have been cathartic for her. And I, <laughs> and I just like stayed up all night being like looking at the numbers, just being like, I got to, oh man, if I have to like bend people off at a, at a truck doling out MRE. Yeah. Like, You're I, like, can I take a life? <laughs> will, yeah, will I be able to be Jason Bourne? So, uh, but watching that and then living through the times that we're living through, um, it does, it, that idiom stranger than fiction does feel like it holds because it's not yeah. like every, the the people in the movie contagion you know they were really afraid of this virus uh, and getting it so they were in fear all the time and uh, and tried to protect themselves from it unlike a small very small subsect of society now which is like protesting and going out and oh God, actively yeah. almost trying to get it so you're like what that that is stranger than anyone <laughs> stranger. saw. Like there was a tweet uh, that I read saying the thing that zombie movies missed was that someone in the middle of the zombie movie would be standing there being like, "There are no zombies. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hoax." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think somebody mentioned it's like Independence Day where like, you know, the aliens are coming and everyone's afraid, but there's like this one group of people who's having a party on top of the building. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's just like, guys, uh, I don't know, maybe seek underground shelter. Uh, but <laughs> but the other thing about this whole crisis that is stranger than fiction is that in fiction, like everybody is scrambling, everybody's concerned, like every there's always stuff to do. For us, like the crisis here is that we've run out of episodes of The Office to watch. And I watched 30 Rock three months ago and Brooklyn Nine-Nine I've gone through. So all of my comedies I have. <laughs> horrible, you know, horrible, Rob. It's real tough out here. God, get this man's two cc's of television stat. I mean, it's just like for most of us, those of us who aren't, you know, out there on the front lines, who aren't working in healthcare or, you know, keeping the world running. I mean, it's just kind of waiting. It's a pause. It's boring. You know, we're just sort of like, you know, and that's the stranger than fiction part is that I'm like, you know, should I go for a walk today or will I die? Right. What should I just stay in and have crap dinner? I don't know. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird that also bringing you back to the movie that most of this movie is about a writer writing about a very, very boring man. Yeah. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Um, and that's what we're experiencing in what is normally a very um, exciting time in a in a TV show or movie um, and exciting, you know, the awful is in there. But um, we're just experiencing the, the constant 
horrible boredom of it because we're we're not <laughs> heroes. <laughs> we're not out there helping the world. Um, well, in a sense, we're heroes <laughs> providing podcasts. <laughs> you know, there could be a, a doctor or a nurse who's listening to this on their way to work and is like, fuck this shit. I have lives to save. Why am I listening to this? <laughs> well, but I, 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 I think... thought it was an optimistic movie and it has like the hope, you know, that things are going to get back to to a better place. Like, you know, his life is boring. He's not really happy with it. He's been living this sort of existence, which is, you know, just repetitive. And, you know, he has control, which he likes, but he doesn't have love or happiness. And, you know, with the intervention of the author's voice, he has a chance to to find those things, to be happy. And so I thought maybe, like, there could be a chance after all of this for for us to be happy <laughs> for things for some optimism for you know some like the world's going to get back to a place where it is good and life will go on and I, we just have to keep holding out until then that's you know that's what i that's what i'm going for <laughs> <laughs> immediately when i thought about this last week i had a little bit more of the hope in me <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I think that uh, there is, and this movie, and every movie kind of tells the same story of you have to go through great pain and great trial and tribulation in order to change or to grow. And this movie does the same thing. And I hope that, like, that life doesn't copy movies uh, in terms of like the disaster scenario, but that it, it copies that trajectory of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after this, maybe we're better with the environment. Maybe people yeah. don't go like commute to work every day and they can work from home a little bit. And maybe you don't have to fly to another state for that meeting. You can just do it on Skype or Zoom and get Zoom bombed by someone showing you their penis on, <laughs> on the same meeting. <laughs> it's um, a better world. Yeah, it could be, it could be a better world. We could use this disaster to create something uh, great. And we're also trying out universal basic income, which is a great way to like bring people out of poverty. So like, there, there's there's a a hopefulness to this horribleness that's happening right now. And and I agree with you. This movie is the kind of blue sky version of a Charlie Kaufman movie for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think and whether that's for better or worse, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think because I was like in 2005, I had I was um, in my one of my last years of university and i was pretty depressed so i don't think that i wanted the blue sky back then right i think i wanted the charlie kaufman like burn it all down i'm a homunculus of a person and for sure and i think there's also the sense when you're young that like only suffering can be meaningful right yeah and so to like get past suffering is to, you know, maybe, maybe numb yourself from something that is worth exploring. Yeah. Yeah. Do we want but to... Anyway, then you realize that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be happy, man. <laughs> yeah. I just want, I just want a Maggie Gyllenhaal in my life. I just want to be able to buy a girl flowers, you know? It flowers? Kind of, it kind of, that... I, I love that pun in the movie, uh, but I feel like if I were to do that in real life, it would be such like a backwards gift. It would be, it would be like, can you bake me something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. No. I mean, there are 
There are definitely some like gender politics stuff to talk about in this movie. Oh, and we'll I can't talk wait to get into that. that. Yeah, sure. On next week's episode should, as well. Should we go into kind but, of like where the world was at this time? Yeah, I mean, I was just about to suggest that oh, because perfect. this movie was released in 2006, and uh, I have some facts about 2006 for oh, you. Oh, amazing! Yeah, did you know there's a Manfred Mann and the Earth Band album called 2006? I, <laughs> I didn't, and I'm I'm a better man for knowing now. So that's great. okay. So one major movie event in 2006 was that Walt Disney Company bought Pixar from Lucasfilm for $7.4 billion, Jesus. officially making Pixar a subsidiary of Walt Disney Pictures. My God, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Remember that first Toy Story was like a co-pro, right? Like they did it together, but they weren't really, you know, they yeah, were like yeah. friends with benefits, but not in a relationship. <laughs> and then uh, where, what is the buyout in relationship parlance? <laughs> uh i don't know this is like a messy messy <laughs> divorce where one goes to kids yeah and it's like you know i'll take your whole like, life from you <laughs> oh my god marriage story yeah yeah exactly <laughs> what else happened okay so north korea claimed to have conducted its first ever nuclear test that's oh, okay that started the whole kind of penis measuring contest between the north korea and the states a little bit Mm-hmm. That's and uh, as it continues, assuming Kim Jong-un is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> also speaking of dictators, it was uh, on November 5th, former president of Iraq, Saddam Hussein, who has had his moment in the movie Spotlight. Let's talk about hot shots sometime. Uh, he was sentenced <laughs> to death by hanging. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I mean, hot shots maybe isn't the best. <laughs> Is the best to talk about his his demise, uh, but yeah, that's pretty good. Remember that guy had like all those um, um, he had all those impersonators because he was so afraid of people assassinating him, and then uh, that became a a plot point on Arrested Development, right? Because uh, they bought homes from uh, Saddam Hussein, <laughs> was sold homes to him. I, I mean, that was already the plot to a movie too. Uh, um, can't remember. Anyway, it was. Just trust me on that. I don't have a yeah. computer in front of me to look it up. Uh, <laughs> I do. The Human Genome Project publishes the the, the chromosome sequence, which is which is nice. pretty cool. No, that's cool. That's that gives the yeah. gateway to like a lot of. Uh, I have the uh, pocket chromosome sequence. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Uh, <laughs> Oh man, just a whole bunch of horrible things. You know, reading the past <laughs> is is not the best because the highlights are all the worst things that happened that year. Um, well, someday somebody's going to be like 2020. Okay, so COVID nineteen, you know, wrecked havoc all over the world and screwed up our economic system, everything like that. The Trolls movie came out and went on and made a hundred million dollars. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. There were bushfires that almost engulfed all of Australia, but mm-hmm. also there was the disaster known as cats. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so, everything's terrible. Everything's terrible. Nothing evened out. There was no evening out. It was just a, a horrible decline. Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we uh, wrap up the mini episode? Um. 
how you doing? You okay over there? You you going? Yeah, I'm you doing going good. For walks? I'm going for walks. I'm staying alive. I've been, you know, uh, watching a lot of TV. Oh yeah, I've been rewatching Deadwood because oh. I'm finally gonna get around to watching the Deadwood movie, and it's so good. And also, what I love this time is seeing all the actors who I didn't realize were in Deadwood. Like, I didn't realize that Veronica Mars was in Deadwood. What? I didn't realize that uh, the Borg Queen was in Deadwood. Oh, I didn't man. realize that Drunk Steve is the <laughs> warden from the first season of uh, Orange is the New Black. It's so good. I really love it. And uh, it's fantastic. So I'm burning through that. And I'm also not rewatching because I hadn't seen it yet. But I feel like I'm rewatching because all of my favorite characters are there. Finally got around to watching Better Call Saul, which is so good. And I just love... Like the relationship between Michael McKean and uh, Bob Odenkirk, it's so good. Have you watched that? They're brothers in this, in that, right? I've seen the first yeah. season when it first came out, which I think uh, it's it's on its fifth or sixth season now. Yeah, I think so. I I tried to watch the first season as well when it first came out, and it, there wasn't enough action for me to to catch. But yeah. I I've been watching it, and uh, I really I just love that relationship, and all the uh, all the actors are great, and it's such a great showcase for for character actors. Like we get all of these people who some of them are in Breaking Bad, and they come back, uh, like Hector Salamanca. He gets like to do so much great stuff, and uh, of course, there's like the guy who plays uh, Mike Irvin Trout. He's basically like the uh, the second character. It's I, I just love watching it. I can't wait to. I, I I want the show to finish so I can rewatch Breaking Bad, and then I can watch the Breaking Bad movie. I'm like I'm in. So you haven't again. seen the Breaking Bad movie yet? Not yet. Not yet. Okay, that's interesting. Is it? I, I'm assuming it's not super great. It's just. When it, I, I, I'm not going to say anything about the movie itself, but uh, the risk that that man took in making a movie after making like a complete series, like Breaking Bad feels complete. There's nothing else that I need to know uh, in mm-hmm. that in that world, and it's one of the best TV shows of all time. He's like, I think I'm going to make a movie, which you know doesn't really fit the form factor of what I made before, and it's going to be. It's gonna like kind of fly in the face of the completeness of the show, and right. it just felt like I was like, that's just asking for it to be <laughs> not great. But <laughs> yeah, uh, but for sure. my expectations. The the movie was completely different than my expectations. So um, oh, okay, well that's yeah. that's interesting. Well, that's why I, I sort of think about Better Call Saul. I mean, if yeah. you made one of the greatest TV shows of all time, you wouldn't be like, you know, maybe we should give a drama series to the guy from Mr. Show. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Maybe we should but, do a uh, spinoff of like uh, Tony Soprano's mom in her early years. You're just like, no. well, they're doing a they're doing a Sopranos prequel with. Um, of course uh, they are. James Gandolfini's kid is playing the Tony Soprano oh, part. God, no. <laughs> I mean, he looks the part, but you know, yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. The other thing I was gonna I was gonna say is they are um, they had to stop making it, but they were like 20 days into making the uh, Lord of the Rings TV show for Amazon Prime. Mm. So we, we might want to do the, the Lord of the Rings at some point, rewatch them, prepare for the yeah, TV absolutely. show that's going to come out that they spent a billion dollars on just almost requiring the rights. So As long as we don't have to watch all the Hobbits, because I don't, I don't have time for that shit, even though I have literally all the time in the world. Because <laughs> no one has time for all those songs. There's nobody, <laughs> so I haven't seen them. Uh, but I'm not going to. Anyway, this is this has been great, Rob. I'm glad we finally uh, we, we got uh, to do this again. 
Me too. And uh, thank you, all of you out there, for joining us again. And uh, we hope you'll uh, watch Stranger Than Fiction with us and join us again next week. And we'll talk about this movie and we'll get through this thing together. The yeah. podcast, I mean. I don't know about the COVID. We might, I might get us. I don't know. <laughs> and if you watch the movie, you know, you can have your, you're going to have your own opinion about whether we're right or wrong on that movie because it's just fresh in your mind. And then you can argue with us on on twitter which is yeah the place to argue and uh mm -hmm. we'd love it we'd love it if you joined us there you can also find us on facebook and uh engage with us there you can download the podcast on apple Podcasts and subscribe and you can rate us and leave a review if you would like there's also if you'd like to support us the patreon which is uh, the thing where you give us one three five dollars a month and that helps keep the podcast running and in return you get the podcast early and some other perks and you can also buy a t-shirt from tpublic.com slash rewatchability i think it's been a long time since we've done this <laughs> yeah the t-shirts there even did they use them to make masks we don't know we don't know. i think that tpublic did have like a thing where you could buy masks of like you might be able to buy a rewatchability mask i think that would be if you do that please take a picture of yourself wearing a rewatchability <laughs> mask oh, um but uh don't do it from uh, a distance of six feet from anybody else hi i'm kimberly producer at entertainment one's podcast network when i'm waiting in line for a coffee or catching up on housework i love a new podcast decode the mysteries of ufos with somewhere in the skies or if you're feeling risque check out turn me on for a no holds barred conversation on sexuality and relationships you can listen to all of entertainment one's podcasts on apple Podcasts, stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts 